Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Psychology Tidbits. Join Dr. Carlos as he explores the many areas of the human mind. We're going to find out. We have with us today is Dr. Walter Muth, Associate Professor of Management and Organization at USC, University of Southern California. So let's welcome to the circle Dr. Walter Muth. Welcome to the circle, Dr. Walter Muth. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So this is a very interesting topic, behavioral ethics. I haven't heard much about it, but it sounds really fascinating. And it sounds like you're talking about me and you and everybody else. How did you get started in this field? Well, I've always been really interested in what leads people to take shortcuts to cheat. Uh, what sort of forces leads them to think that this is a good idea? And conversely, what leads the rest of us to abstain from those sorts of behaviors when there can be such clear upsides uh, from behaving that way? And I guess one of the, the precipitating incidents was in a... Uh, a class that I took, a part-time class on psychology uh, when I was working as an airline consultant, and uh, there's a day class and an evening class, and in an evening class, about a third of the class had cheated on the test by answering the essay questions that were for uh, the daytime class rather than the evening class, and it, it stunned me that so many of my classmates were, were willing to cheat, and were willing to cheat in such a stupid way as to not even bother to read the questions on the exam. Um, wow. But, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, stunning, and that sort of launched my interest in the field. Yeah, I guess that would. That's fascinating. Did anybody get caught? Yeah, they all got caught because it, 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 was, a, it was like an essay question. Talk about the cognitive development of this. And meanwhile, they're writing something on um, the parts of the brain. <laughs> they haven't bothered to look at the question yet. Oh, no. Well, I guess that they deserve that one. Yeah, it, it, it stunned me. Uh, yeah. So on the behavioral ethics, what are some of the things that uh, you recently discovered? So uh, one of the uh, questions that I've been really interested in is, what are the costs of behaving ethically? Um, huh. So we know that people will forgo uh, the opportunity to do a lot of bad deeds because they need to feel good about themselves, right? So therefore, we're not going to be as likely to screw over our colleagues, stab them in the back, or develop made-off-like Ponzi schemes or things like that because we know that this is going to make us feel bad. There's some consequence for punishment. Um, but probably the thing that drives us most is just um, our wanting to feel like a good person. So there's some costs involved with uh, some of the subtle costs uh, involved uh, with this that we might not think about um, if we don't spend days and days uh, thinking deeply about 
what kind of cost that could be. So, for instance, um, one of my colleagues at uh, New York University uh, has some great research on guilt proneness, and she finds that leaders who are particularly prone to feeling guilty about things uh, make excellent leaders. They're great managers because they really care about their people. They go out of their way to make sure that they're not assigning to, you know, the type of work uh, that they themselves would not do to their subordinates. They want to make sure that their subordinates are in uh, a great place. Basically, they want to feel like good people. Uh, so one of my research, recent projects with Taya Cohen of Carnegie Mellon University is looking at, well, if, if people are so concerned about being good and not letting other people down, particularly those who are prone to feeling guilty, um, why would those people want to put themselves in leadership positions? If I'm so concerned about how my behavior is going to impact others, I think I'd probably want to avoid uh, forming some sort of uh, relationships and partnerships if those partnerships could leave the, my partners, my employees, etc., in a worse place than they otherwise would be. So uh, we came up with the hypothesis uh, that guilt-proneness, this, this fear of feeling uh, guilty, might lead people to avoid forming partnerships with really good, talented people, particularly if the guilt-prone person is uh, concerned about their own level of competence. So if I'm a really terrible uh, employee and I have a chance to form a partnership with somebody who's better, if I have no guilt-proneness, that, well, that's great. I'm going to do that. Um, I am going to free ride on the other person's ability or effort. Um, but if I have doubts about my own ability, I'm going to be a little more reticent to form that uh, partnership. I'm going to act a little more morally, but by acting a little more morally, I, um, I cost myself because I, I no longer have the opportunity to work with and learn from this more talented partner. Well, now we're going to start delving into the psyche here. Um, evolutionary psychology pops up in my head when you were talking about this, and I wonder, are we doing these less than ethical uh, activities because we see it somehow making it helping us survive or helping us being able to reproduce? Do you think it's some kind of innate characteristic? That's a great question. I think... I think there is. We have all sorts of conflicting desires. We want uh, resources. We want food. In today's terms, we want money because that can allow us to have more offspring. It can allow us to have a more uh, comfortable uh, life. And the desire to be a good person, to be a good group member, is just one of many conflicting uh, desires. So that desire can put some constraints on our willingness to act on our other desires, but yeah, absolutely, our our wanting to cheat, our wanting to to put ourselves ahead of other people and, and take what isn't ours, it certainly would offer an evolutionary advantage. So I know that when I was when I was read a little bit of your work on behavioral ethics and others, it seemed like uh, the good or the bad, the morality aspect was almost fluid, depending on how we perceived it or rationalized it. Absolutely. Rationalization plays a huge role in determining um, how likely we are to act unethically. One of my other projects looks at uh, whether people might be more likely to cheat, steal, take resources if they're forced to share the spoils of their bad behavior. Um, it, 
one might imagine that the, the more reward you get for acting badly, the, the higher the amount of money you're able to obtain by uh, by acting unethically, the more likely you would be uh, to do so. So it would be a little weird that if being forced to spoil, to share whatever you get from that um, bad behavior makes you actually more likely rather than less likely uh, to act that way. Oh, really? But nonetheless, that's what we that's what we found. Um, we find that if uh, people have the opportunity to lie about their performance and they get uh, so actually what we had was a, a series of word jumbles and people had to unscramble these word jumbles in order to uh, make money but they had to do them in a certain order so the first word was something like IPG it's a little more complicated uh, than that but uh, most of your listeners will quickly realize IPG could be rearranged to spell pig and people would get $2 for solving that anagram correctly. Uh, so same thing for the second word jumble, third word jumble, etc. cetera. Um, and so if they solved all nine word jumbles, that would be $18 because they're getting $2 uh, per anagram. But if they solved the first one, the second one, the fourth one, the fifth one, um, that would only be four anagrams because they're not being paid for number four and five, numbers four and five, because they didn't solve the third one. The third one, turns out to be this really difficult uh, word that almost no one knows, and the word is Tagwan, which is, a, uh, as almost no one will know, a species of flying squirrel native to the East Indies. Wow. All righty then. <laughs> yeah. We put that one in there to see if people would report that they'd solve that one. And if you give people $2 per anagram and the stipulation that they have to solve these word jumblers or anagrams, uh, in, in the proper order, about 20% of people will say, yep, I, I got that one right. I sure did. I knew that word. Um, and then <laughs> ask for their payment. But if you give them $1 per anagram solved, um, such that they make $2 instead of $4 for solving the first two and $5 instead of 10 for solving the first five, then uh, and give the extra dollar to someone whom they'll never meet, they'll never learn the identity of, then you start to see people, about 40% of people cheating. Um, oh, wow, 40%? Yeah, yeah it, it, it almost doubles. Uh, uh, and the reason is that people start to see that cheating behavior is not being so greedy, not being so selfish, uh, and but they can better justify it uh, to themselves, yeah. Are you sure those were of your former classmates or no? <laughs> they may well have been. Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> that's really fascinating. That's really interesting. So they that's wow. So they rationalize the way right into that. Yeah, we totally rationalize our way into it. And even if we think of really extreme examples like Bernie Madoff, okay, I think most of us would agree. Uh, would like to think that we're not capable of the type of fraud that he committed. But if you think about his actions, at the beginning, there's some clear fraud, hard to rationalize uh, bad behavior. But once you get trapped into that cycle, if you lie a little more and say, oh, yeah, we're making all this money, then you can start to repay some of the early inv investors. Um, you're sharing the spoils of your bad behavior. And the, each incremental lie isn't about benefiting you so much as it is about benefiting all these people for whom you re you feel responsible because you are responsible. So it could be a wow. So a humanitarian cause could actually <laughs> cause you to be unethical. Yeah, it, 
Yeah, I can imagine Bernie Madoff starting to feel a little like a do-gooder. Like, well, I got to keep it going. Yeah, I made some mistakes in my past, but I need to pay these people. You know, think about what would happen if I just stopped this whole Ponzi scheme right now. Yeah, that's an interesting view. Hello, my name's Matt, and I'm an addict. My mom was addicted to prescription pills when I was very young, before I even turned one. Are you or someone you know struggling with alcohol or drug addiction? Has everyone given up on you or your loved one? The caring staff at Elite Care understands and treats you as a whole person. We offer individual and group therapy, holistic healing such as yoga, nutrition, and spirituality, medication management, and PTSD treatment. By building upon your strengths and rebuilding broken bonds, we help you begin a successful life. With our staff of licensed psychotherapists and doctors, you can be assured of the highest level of care. Elite Care is the best option for long-term rehabilitation from drugs and alcohol. Contact 888-511-0607 for more information. Now, just for the audience to get clarification, uh, I know on a lot of these, this is a research this is research that you're doing, so some people aren't familiar, but you're always looking for something statistically significant, correct? Right. Correct. All right, so that's why when people don't understand that, that's a 95% chance that it was not due to chance. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, and the idea is that we, we have it, uh, we look for that uh, uh, level of statistical significance in one experiment, and then we do several other experiments just to make extra sure that we're not getting a result that would just happen. By chance. Excellent. Just want to make sure some people are going to go, well, not everybody does that. Well, <laughs> no, cer- yeah, certainly not everybody does it. And I mean, even if, even when we set up the, the conditions so that cheating wouldn't feel so bad, such, and there would be an excuse for cheating, still the majority of our participants do not cheat. Interesting. Let me ask you this. Did you control for uh, certain characteristics such as psychopathy or uh, borderline or narcissist or anything like that? Um, I, In my own research, I, I haven't uh, done that. So I, I can't tell you that narcissists are more likely to do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting question, I think, whether a narcissist would. On one hand, narcissists are con- primarily concerned about themselves. Uh, on the other hand, they may be Will, more willing to take any sort of excuse offered them in order to benefit uh, themselves. We have looked at um, creativity and the links between creativity and dishonesty. Uh, and Francesca Gino and some work with Dan Ariely have found that highly creative people are particularly likely to cheat because they can rationalize their behavior more effectively. They come up with better stories to convince themselves. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that work of theirs. We're going to um, delete this section yeah. for my wife so she doesn't hear this. All right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and then um, in follow-up research, uh, Francesca and I have found that acting unethically can actually make you more creative because it gets you out of this rule-following mindset. You get you into a rule-breaking mindset. And it's tricky research in that I don't want to recommend to employers <laughs> or to people like act unethically so that your next idea can be more creative. Um, but there is something wrapped up in, in the connection between creativity and unethical behavior. <laughs> That's fascinating. Never would have thought that. That's really different. Um, 
let me yeah, I guess the behavioral ethics it actually has no bounds. One of the things that pops up in my head early in the conversation was the Zimbardo. I think it was Zimbardo and the Stanford experiment. They really kind of went over the edge over there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We would not be able to get away with doing that kind of research uh, today. It's just far too much, uh, not, not a lot of attention uh, paid to how psychological research, and particularly psychological research about ethics, is going to affect um, our participants. I was just going to ask you, since you're, you're the expert in this field, do you think if you replicated that that study, well, just saying that it, you know somehow you got it approved by APA, I don't know what happened there, sure. but you got it approved, and then um, do you think it, it would come up with the same results today? I think it would. Um, really? I, I, I think there's a, a strong uh, power of the situation. I mean, this is assuming that you have a population that isn't already aware of the experiment. Um, with enough knowledge, people might temper their tendencies. But if you had a, yeah, a naive uh, population, I, I, we, we've, we've seen in the workplace how things like um, power or just status in a hierarchy can shift behavior. And yes, these behaviors aren't as cruel as some of the ones um, that were manifested in the, the Stanford prison experiment. Um, but uh, I, I really think if you have that strong of a manipulation, you'd see some similarly strong effects in, in this, this age. That's interesting. You were going to say something. I'm sorry when I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Yeah, so the Unabomber. Um, probably not the most psychologically stable person uh, to begin with, but one of the things that he's ranted against, or he had ranted against, uh, was uh, the psychological experiments done to him uh, while he was in undergrad at Harvard. And, and who knows um, if that helped or contributed uh, towards his psychopathy. Um, but there, there is the potential for damage, um, and so we have to be really careful uh, when when running these experiments on people. And then there's the tension that I've had some subjects point out to me. I'm really interested in, in studying dishonesty and unethical behavior, yet in my own exper experiments, uh, there is sometimes deception. Um, I talk about words being quite solvable, and yes, technically a word like Tagwan is quite solvable, but there's a degree of deception um, involved. So it's a, it's a fine line we're kind of walking in order to study <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of ironic. Is yeah, and we will give them very tempting situations, kind of entrap them into behaving unethically. And I'm sympathetic to the argument that, you know, maybe setting up that situation has some ethical implications. Did you notice anything? Was there any statistics in regards to educational levels or income levels? Any correlations uh, there? Yeah, so uh, we didn't uh, notice any of that in our experiments, but we didn't systematically study that. Paul Pip uh, has some fascinating research uh, showing that people higher uh, in, on the socioeconomic scale, so that is well-to-do affluent uh, people, actually will behave more unethically than people who with more limited uh, means. Um, and that's, that research is still at a, a fairly early stage, but there's some evidence that there, that the higher you get in terms of socioeconomic strata, the less compassion uh, you might have and the more feelings of entitlement 
less bound you might feel by uh, ethics, uh, basically. But in, in our own experiments, we haven't found that uh, yet. That's really fascinating, too. Yeah, he's he's got fascinating research on it. So we have education, higher education, higher creativity. It's just a cocktail of trouble for unethical yeah, behavior. Absolutely. And there's also an interesting gender effect. Oh. And that, so in general, you see that men, uh, if, if, it, if you're looking at cheating uh, for your own benefit, there have been studies showing that men are slightly more likely than women to cheat for their own benefit, um, which probably won't surprise a whole lot of people. <laughs> what gets interesting is when you uh, think about cheating on behalf of other people as well, um, that's when the rates of cheating amongst women really goes up um, they, because they feel this strong sense of loyalty or, or have a relationship and that such a force in the decision-making. Um, huh. Women become much more likely to cheat if they're sharing the spoils with, with a friend. We don't see this. Um, when they're sharing the spoils of their bad behavior with someone whom they don't know. Um, but when there is an established relationship, um, the rates of cheating go up. And that's consistent with uh, research and negotiation, uh, which showed that women start to behave much more aggressively uh, and negotiate more effectively when they're representing someone else. Well, that's interesting, too. <laughs> Fascinating yeah. stuff. You Thank must have a lot of fun with this. It is, it is interesting. Absolutely. I mean, to me anyway, I'm, I'm just feel lucky that I get to spend my days thinking about how they behave. Have you ever gotten disappointed besides your classmate situation? Pardon? Have you ever gotten disappointed with, with mankind after this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have. Uh, it is... Uh, it is sometimes necessary to remind myself, like, well, I've set up uh, conditions where people will cheat, but it, it does, it has somewhat soured uh, my view of the goodness of mankind. I can imagine, because if, if you're constantly exposed, every time you meet somebody new for the first time, you're probably wondering, what, you, what are you up to? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it, it definitely heightens suspicion. Especially if you're wealthy and creative and a male, so yeah. <laughs> Any correlations with Cuban psychology talk show hosts? No? <laughs> That's good. An understudied population. <laughs> Understudied, underfunded. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Wiltermuth, again, for being here. Anywhere we can go to get more information about this or about you? Um, and people can certainly just Google uh, my name, and then my USC website will come up, and I've got uh, links to some of my research articles there. Um, and, yeah, that's probably the best best place to uh, find out the information about our work. Excellent. Thank you so much again for being on The Circle, Dr. Wiltermuth. Wiltermuth? Thank you. Fabulous work, much needed work. We all need to find out why we do certain things, whether it's good or bad. Remember, everybody, our motto is simple. Wherever there's psychology involved, ethically or not, we're going to be there. See you next time. And also catch our web TV shows. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.